I'm trying to just do what's right for the products and for the users at this point. Like I've, I feel like I've gotten what I need out of card. Like I don't have a, an ego thing tied with it. I don't have this intent of being a, you know, like a big startup CEO or, or any of that type of stuff or, or whatever. I just want to continue building this thing, keep making it better and make sure it, it keeps delivering on what people, what brought people to it to begin with. All right. I am very excited to do this show today because we have AJ from Card. So I guess my first question, sir, is did you mean to build one of the biggest no-code apps in the no-code movement? Uh, No, not at all. In fact, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't really intend for much of this to happen. <laughs> I think we've talked about it before, but this sort of just uh, kind of fell into my lap. Uh, you know, Card, I just quick background for people who don't know about it. It's a, a one-page site builder. At least that's how it started. Uh, was very much a vanity project in the early days. It was just something for me to get into to kind of push myself, push my skills, see where I could go with uh, everything I had learned up to that point. And then it launched on Product Hunt and just kind of blew up from there. And today we're sitting at like 3.1 million sites, 2 million users, a million in ARR. I mean, it's just... It, it's weird. It's like consumed my life. I mean, in a good way, but it, you know, it's, it's, it would be, it would have been less surprising had I set out to do this. But mm. at, at this point, it just feels like the momentum of the product and the users and everything else is just kind of rolling ahead and just dragging me behind it. You know, it's, yeah. it's a, in a good, in a good way. I don't know. That's a weird analogy for me to use, but I mean, it's, a, it's a good feeling. So, uh, so Yeah. Cool. So when you when you started, um, you started out bootstrap because you just launched this, I guess, as a as a let's just see what happens when right. I do this as a vanity project. So in the beginning, it was just you building this thing kind of on the side to the other work that you were doing. So you were a freelancer or independent anyways. Right? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did client work. I ran uh, I did a lot of like template and theme work on the side. Uh, one of the bigger side projects that I did prior to card was HTML five up and a few other things related to that. And it, it that's actually what kind of got me wanting to do something bigger because you, you can only go so far with, you know, template and theme design. And I had pretty sizable computer programming background that I was not really putting to use. So, I mean, that, that project seemed like a good fit, but yeah, it, it was, it was very much meant to just be another side project in addition to all the other little side projects I had going at the time. Nice. Do you, when, I guess, did you start to notice, because your other projects did well, your other projects were noticed and used by other people, but Card feels like it was different, right? Like Card yeah. feels like it took off at an exponential level compared to the other things you had done previous. Because I remember HTML5 up and a yeah. bunch of your other stuff. So I guess, when did you start to notice that Card was was different from the other stuff that you had done? I think when I realized how much more of my day was spent working on it and not so much because it was demanding in a way that, that required like a, a lot of operational overhead and, and things like that, though that, that did come later. Uh, it was more just that, that feeling you get from users who are using it. There's a lot more, there was a lot more interaction between the users who use that and myself, you know, requesting features and, and it, it, keeping it, it kind of kept me more interested than other side projects. And I noticed that was a, a, a pattern that was increasing over time. And then, of course, uh, I think 2017, so Card launched in early 2016. 2017, I noticed it started getting picked up by a lot of, uh, I guess we should call them like very online subcultures, just picking up on it, using it for things. And just noticing those use cases continue to expand that year and then the following year. And it just kept going. And I think 20, 2020 was really the kind of the banner year for card where it just, it just shot off. I mean, there were just a lot of things that happened all at once. Uh, 
much of it really started with the beginning of COVID where everybody was sort of, uh, I guess, trying to find their feet in, in this new reality that we're all living in. Uh, then that summer with all the activism protests going on in the U.S., card was starting to gain traction with that. Uh, Kim Kardashian tweeted out a card site and it just blew up from there even further. So it's, as so your question is the one I noticed, <laughs> it was sort of like a lot of just different indicators along the way that kind of let me know that there was something special here that I had kind of stumbled into and that, yeah. and that just, you know, incrementally over time that just built up and uh, eventually brought me to where we are today. I mean, oh, we've no. talked about the, um, the Justin Bieber effect, but we've never really talked about the, the like Kimmy K effect, which might actually be big. <laughs> Is Kim Kardashian bigger than Justin Bieber, AJ? I, <laughs> I, I, I don't, Really no? I mean, maybe I'm not the right person to be asking. <laughs> Sorry, this is hard, hard hitting questions only on a bubble. I mean, dude, I, I can Google it real quick. You just give me a bit. Um, no, I've I I have no idea. I mean, just I'm basically a hermit who just writes code, so I have no idea. Yeah. About these yeah. So when that happened, I was just like, it, they, whoever well, I forgot who who told me that that happened. They they were just lucky that I knew who Kim Kardashian was, <laughs> you know, given you know, how how much of a hermit I tend to be. But uh, yeah, that that was. That kind of effect, you you wouldn't you hear about it happening, and you know usually it's like a flash in the pan kind of thing. And it wasn't like Kim Kardashian giving a full throated kind of uh, endorsement of card. She just linked to the uh, Black Lives Matter card site that got a lot of traction last year. That's all she did. She mentioned it, and I think that, and then maybe the time that things were happening, and then just. The fact that at the very bottom of that site, there was a little link that said made with card, which is on every mm. free card site. Maybe that was enough. I don't know. But it, it's one of those things where certainly didn't plan for it, didn't expect it. But, you know, I'm definitely feeling the effects of everything that came from that strange combination of factors that happened to just converge at that one moment. So that was obviously a, a big moving point. But I feel like card was doing really, really well even before that. And I've seen it over the years because you're very open about card and how it's growing. And you often will bring up that original tweet of you working on it. <laughs> Can you think of anything notable that helped move you forward? Or has it just been an accumulation of small things over the years up until, you know, those big moments? I mean, I think it's exactly that. It's an accumulation of small things, uh, small things, as well as some big things. But it wasn't, it, it, it really was just, I think the product was unintentionally designed to be, I guess, have a broad appeal, right? Um, the reason why, I mean, it, it, the, my, I mean, my marketing copy is kind of crap, but I mean, I wrote, <laughs> well, what did I write? Uh, you know, one page site's pretty much anything. It's not like a lot of thought went into that. It's literally like, I don't know what the fuck to say here. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you make sites with it. That's great. Do whatever the hell you want. I don't give a shit. And <laughs> it, and that, I guess by just kind of setting things up in that way and backing off, it kind of lent itself to being used in a lot of interesting ways. Uh, but it, again, it, it, that when you do that, it is enough. It does create like the situation where if you do get any success, it will be kind of, it'll accumulate over time in random little pockets as opposed sure. to like one big intentional push, which, you know, as I already said at the beginning card, <laughs> nothing about it was really intentional other than just the, Hey, let's see if I can do this. Yeah, no, I love it. So card comes up and has come up at least four times in our internal discussions. We are priced at $14 a month and we're sticking with that price, but we have had conversations in the past of, can we do a cheaper plan? And we go, well, but we're bootstrapped. How are we going to possibly sustain this? And every single time card comes up. And so right. we ask ourselves the question, how is card sustainable at $19 a year? Do you, do you do email support? Do you do like really good docs? How do you do it? Uh, I think the, I mean, this has come up before, but the big thing is that card, uh, I guess one of the things I intended with card was the limited scope, right? From the get go, uh, never set out to build a Squarespace or Wix or any, you know, or Webflow or any of those, those great products out there. Uh, I just set my sites on a very limited subset of features and figured out a way to implement them in a way that I could build myself, maintain myself, and at least for a time support myself. Uh, and that's really that's really all it was. I mean, I think a lot of people make the mistake of 
trying to emulate some of the bigger guys and in doing so end up screwing themselves because, you know, those bigger guys, they're big for a reason, you know, either they have, you know, uh, incredible revenue or they have a ton of funding or something. But if you're a bootstrapper starting out, like you need to set your sights way, way lower to, to kind of get any traction at all. Okay. That's really good insight. I like, I like that a lot. It makes a lot of sense. Um, one question that, that came is kind of last minute question I'm thinking of. How did you deal with people that were basically cloning what you're doing, kind of copying, copying everything, mimicking perhaps your core company beliefs and that kind of thing? Um, and just cloning you basically, because we've dealt with this a lot and we've kind of got to a good place, but I'm curious on your mental models when dealing with card clones. So from what I've seen of card clones, I don't, <clears throat> I don't think I've ever actually seen any that clone us outright. I've okay. seen ones that have attempted to clone for specific subsets of how card gets used. Like there are a lot of, you know, card ish clones in the no code space and they are very, very specific about it being a no code product or, or this or that. Uh, I think something like card, because of the way it has kind of taken on a life of its own, especially on social media, it's difficult to clone it at this point, at yeah. least in, in totality. But I mean, I have to, I have to stress that that was not intentional on my part. I mean, it could be that if card never took off in that way, uh, the conversation would be very different right now. Like it'd be much, it'd be a much easier thing to be cloned. It's possible that, without that traction it got on social media that <clears throat> kind of showed me how it kind of validated the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, validated the uh, one page sites or pretty much anything ethos. Without that, I think it's possible card may have needed to specialize over time to be sustainable if it grew to be big enough. Right. Uh, so it, I guess the answer is I don't really have an answer. Card is sort of this unique thing in this space now that makes it makes it kind of difficult to, to clone in its entirety. You can clone subsets of what it does, but I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing anyone really clone the entire thing. No, that makes complete sense. And I just want to briefly touch on the sustainability piece again. So yeah, I love the fact that you're intentionally limiting the features to reduce support. I mean, do you have a lot of support to the point where you have got a team that's doing email support or is it just, there's not much at all? Uh, so about maybe a year and a half ago, two years. I've got uh, Donnie is my he is a business partner of my. I've worked with him on other projects for years, uh, and he he co owns the he co owns Card Inc. Now, but basically before that, we co owned a company together where we did other projects, client work, and, and the like. Card was sort of my own little side project, but it was done under that banner. About two ish years ago, at this point, I noticed the I noticed a lot of my day was actually going towards the day-to-day operations of running card. So support, uh, content moderation, and those sorts of things, plus any, any, you know, administrative stuff that comes with all that. And at that point I was like, uh, yeah, I'm not really having any time to actually work on the product. Uh, I think it's time for you to come on board and take over on that. So basically since then he has been handling all the support and Amazing. operational stuff. Uh, so essentially a, a co-founder. So, uh, but as far as like support load, it's enough. It's it's not so much that one person can't handle it. So he handles it handily himself. Even uh, content moderation stuff and a lot of the other things that come with running card at this point, he handles all that. We have a few contractors now to help with yeah. uh, content moderation because that is one thing that kind of grows linearly with the number of sites that we have, which is now you know over three million. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's still like extremely low in terms of overhead uh, operational overhead that is so wow uh, even with free sites because you and users yeah um and again but i think by very deliberately limiting what card can do and what you know it's it's feature set and kind of having kind of that narrow focus on it might be a very general purpose kind of you know, use it for whatever you want thing, but the the kind of guardrails that are set up around even that, I think, are what contribute to uh, it not needing so much support. And it's not very, I mean, it's not a very technical product. And I think about what kinds of sites that a lot of people build on card or tend to be personal profiles and, you know, things like that. Doesn't have a lot of uh, moving pieces or things that can go wrong. I mean, it's literally image, some text, links, there you go, right? So 
that considering that card has a lot of those much of the support we deal with tends tends to be for paid users who have very like very technical kind of edge case things that happen uh integrations with like you know with like stripe and things like that right um but if you're average, like for the vast majority of users, no, there's there's like barely any support needed for them. It's so funny hearing you talk about this because Paul, me and Paul always have these conversations about features and Paul is always the one that's pushing back. And hearing your philosophy, I mean, it aligns with Paul's to a T with regards to let's focus on a small set of features because the more features we add, the more support burden we're going to add as well. Right. So it comes to a question of what, what percentage of your support tickets are people saying, can I have this feature? Can I have that feature? And how do you deal with kind of the, the new feature process? Uh, so we do get that. I mean, pretty much daily. Like there's always someone <laughs> yeah. who's asking. I mean, I mean, anytime you set, well, here's the thing. Like anytime you build a product that has whatever set of features, you're always going to have someone who comes along and say, well, what about this, right? Like there's always going to be, you know, even if you think you've gotten everything into your product that someone could possibly want, someone will come along and find something that you don't have. And I think just accepting that's always going to be the case, even if you, you know, kind of take this more minimal, minimal approach that that card has, or, you know, you go the opposite direction and just try to implement everything up front. You're always going to have someone come along and say, hey, what about this? And then you have to have that conversation, right? Do we do we add this? Do we not add this? Like, how, how do you handle that? And for the way that I've been doing it with card, and it is still just me developing it for now, it is to take the, uh, whatever feature requests comes in, I, I don't just, you know, immediately say, oh yeah, we're going to totally just bolt that on. Uh, and I've touched on this in some other places, but basically what I'll do is I'll look at the problem and try to kind of define what is the, what's the underlying need behind this request? Like, like if they if they request something that sounds very hyper specific, I'll ask them. Okay, so what is your use case though? What are you trying to accomplish? What what do you think this feature, if we had it, would help you accomplish? And then sort of like work backwards from that to kind of figure out. Oh wait, they just need this other thing. Yeah. And now and and, then, and that allows me to kind of figure out a way to implement feature requests in a way that actually benefit everybody, as opposed to a very small subset of people. And in, in a lot of honestly, in a lot of times, like. I'll just tell them like straight up, we're not going to do that. I'm sorry. Like this isn't, card isn't really meant for this. And I'll recommend some other products that might be better for them. Uh, you know, and if they, even if they had paid for card, I'd say, hey, look, I'm happy to give you a refund because I think maybe we're not the best for you, but you know, Webflow might be a better choice. Yeah, for um, sure. But you just have to, you have to be okay with saying no. <laughs> I think some, some people, especially early on, are afraid to do that because you want to please everyone. You want that growth. Uh, but that, you know, that can fuck you over quite honestly. You, you have to have a very, you have to have a little bit of backbone when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'll be honest, card is sort of lucky to be able to do that because it has had all this kind of unintentional growth. And I, I don't, I'm reluctant to tell other people what to do in, you know, given that this is sort of a unique situation. Uh, but that's how we do it. And it might apply to other people as well. Definitely. Well, I think the I think I think it speaks to volume, though, right? Like the way that you priced card is pricing to for for volume. It seems like because your your highest plan starts at fifty bucks a month, right? So it's like if you lose a customer, if you lose one customer because they want some weird hyper specific feature, then that's only fifty. That's only about fifty bucks off of your um, ARR. But it, it is, yeah, that's yearly though, 49 a year yeah, for yeah. So uh, it's- That's um, why I said ARR. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, R, yeah. R. I, I'm still, yeah, it's a weird term. But the, uh, well, I mean, the, the reason pricing on card the way, okay, I'll back up a little bit. Why is card priced at, you know, for its mid-tier plan, plan 19 a year? Well, first that was, there was only one plan at the beginning for 19 a year. And uh, why was it priced that way? It's because I, I don't know. I thought $19 felt right. I didn't do a lot of thought into it. I was like, eh, 19 bucks a year, whatever. And it, it sort of, it made sense at the time because the uh, the feature set that you got with that pro plan, I think it was like three additional things on top of the free experience. So I had a hard time justifying something like, you know, 50 bucks a month for you know two, three mm. additional features. Now, granted, you get, 
literally dozens of features now with that plan. It's grown considerably. But the thing now is you mentioned volume. Card is fundamentally a free, me- a free product, freemium, I guess, in a way, right? And if we priced it too high, you know, we wouldn't, you know, the bar would be too high for a lot of people to to kind of flip over from free to paid. Whereas now I think our pricing is such that for a lot of people, they'll, it, it's so cheap, they'll just be like, well, why not, right? You get, yeah. you get some added, you get some added uh, bonuses on top of your experience and it barely costs you anything. Like the, the cheapest plan is $9 a year for pro light. And that, you know, again, it's, it, it appeals to especially the you know the younger demographics who use card for more personal reasons. They can't really justify spending a hundred dollars a year on a you know a little fan site or something. Uh, Nine dollars a year, yeah, they can handle that. Yeah, I think that makes sense, especially as as you've gotten to know your user base over the years to see okay what what's the threshold there. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I want to get into um, the meat and potatoes <laughs> of the <laughs> yes. conversation. Having said all that, yes. <laughs> yes. So you, I guess it was six months ago, you took some funding. So yeah. I, I want to I know about this. What's the, what's the story there? What led you to take funding? And I guess, were you looking or was it something where somebody reached out to you and kind of told you what the benefits were and you were like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Let it, what's, what's the story here? Uh, so... <clears throat> Let's see, I'll back up to probably middle of last year. So that basically that Kim Kardashian moment, you know, where set set off a lot of things. Uh, you know, we went from adding hundreds of sites a day to thousands and wow. in a relatively short amount of time. This is sort of like, you know, fall of last year. And that that kind of got me a little bit concerned because it was we were starting to get growth way ahead of like a ton of growth uh, I was just not really ready for, you know, even though Donnie was running day to day and I was still running product, it's still like this, at this rate of growth, like we're fucked if we don't, <laughs> we don't do something. <laughs> and and it wasn't so much of money thing. The funny thing is like, you know, revenue scaled with it too. That's great. But I had, you know, as I said at the beginning, like card was a side project. I had no intention of turning this into businesses. I'm not a business person. I've got, maybe a tiny bit of just business acumen that comes from just baseline common sense. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not a CEO type. I'm not a, you know, business manager type, you know, I I don't have any of those things. Uh, And so there were just many, when we had that growth, it it just kind of like, it made us wonder like, what do we do now? Like there's so many questions coming up, like how do we expand our infrastructure to take care of all this? How do we, uh, you know, accommodate, just a sheer volume of sites coming in. Like, are we going to have to hire for content moderation? Like all, all this stuff was happening. Uh, we had, uh, I think we had like a, a denial of service attack in the middle of the year, like right when that site went viral because, you know, assholes are going to be assholes. Uh, and so there was just a lot of shit was hitting us all at once. And it would have been a lot easier to absorb had it happened over the course of like three years as opposed to three months. So it yeah, it, it got us. It just got us very concerned. Like, how how are we going to handle this thing? It's great that we have all the growth. It's great that the revenue is coming in, but now what? We don't know what to do. So, at the same time, and I'm sure you've experienced this yourself. Uh, you'll have investors, VCs, and <clears throat> and the like reach out to you. They'll just call call yep. you and say, "Hey, are you are you interested in having a conversation about blah?" Uh, that had happened to us periodically over the years, just like anyone else. But this time it really kind of low key resonated because I was like, well, been kind of hesitant to go this path anyway because we don't really need the funding. But I don't know. Let's just see what they have to say. Like maybe, maybe they can, maybe there's some other way that we can be helped by engaging in a relationship like this. Uh, so we actually said, yeah, sure, we'll chat. And so <clears throat> I started taking calls from just different investors, VCs, and, and then people reaching out. And for the most part, the the kind of vibe I got was most of these guys are actually, it's not, have you guys seen Silicon Valley, like the show, which is fantastic. Um, it's, oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's actually not this situation where investors want to be up in your shit all the time. I mean, I guess you can find some investors who are that way, but the vibe I got from a lot of these guys was that they just, 
they're going to make a, a, an investment in you and they just want to do whatever they can to help you, I guess, bring value to that. It kind of aligns incentives, as they like to say. And uh, one of those things that we really needed at the time was <clears throat> really just, I guess, some degree of mentorship and also just <clears throat> connections to some of the vendors that we may need and, and things like that. And by kind of, I mean, that's really what got us interested in this is that it, it would give us kind of an instant boost in all these areas that we were lacking. It was, you know, we would immediately acquire a partner who had expertise, who had connections to other companies and the like that, that could help us at this kind of critical moment, you know, guide us so we don't, you know, fuck this thing up that is going so well. So we had a lot of conversations with different investors. Um, I mean, I'm not really, I think I can talk about this. Yeah, so Ryan Hoover, Product Hunt, he is one of our investors through his weekend fund. He also came on as an advisor. Cool. Um, so that, and through him, I got the idea of doing the, uh, instead of having just one big investor, having, we have about a dozen or so investors, separate investors, smaller amounts. And the idea there was, well, we're going to basically pull the experience of all these people. They kind of now have a small stake in card. So anytime we have like a problem or we need, we have a question or something, we reach out to them and they're, they're willing to share their knowledge anyway, but at the same time, because now they have a stake in our success, they're more likely to, to prioritize that. If that makes sense. It's a, it's a weird, it's sort of like, I know I could talk to just random people on Twitter to get advice for things, but I think without having any actual skin in the game, it makes the, you know, we're not going to be a high priority thing and it changes the dynamic. Whereas if we are getting our advice from people who actually literally have a financial incentive to do so, to, to give us that advice, uh, it becomes a higher priority thing. And we've benefited from that dramatically uh, from, from this relationship that we have. Uh, nice. I think, I think I'm getting ahead of myself here, but basically we had a lot of conversations with different investors last year. Uh, I spoke to Ryan, he came aboard and kind of helped us find other investors who were kind of similarly aligned where we didn't want anyone coming in, basically getting up in our, you know, <laughs> getting up in our shit, telling us what to do, <laughs> changing the product or any of that type of stuff. We just wanted people who were, who loved cars, loved where it was going, were willing to come aboard for that journey rather than try to direct it somewhere else. And through that process, we got basically a team of investors who really aligned with that and have been just incredibly helpful since since coming aboard. And it's not something that I was expecting to need to do, but I figured at the time, like, this was the best, de best decision I could make for CARD. Maybe not for me personally, because I'm still, you know, I think we've talked about this before, you know, I'm not a big, big VC kind of guy. Uh, I still prefer the idea of bootstrapping, but in this instance, card was starting to grow far beyond what I was, <laughs> what I was familiar with. It was growing into a space that I did not know anything about. And so I figured it was time to kind of, kind of just try it, you know, see, see if I can, uh, you know, make a, bring in people who could actually take it to that next level make sure it could keep going and, and all those things. So. I don't know that was kind of a muddle response. But it, it's, no, <laughs> it's a weird, it, it's a it's a weird thing to to explain because I think a lot of people have a lot of preconceived notions about VC investing and all that. And my experience has been the complete opposite of all that. It's been shockingly good. It's been shockingly beneficial, and it, it's not like we raised a ton of money either. I mean, it was a relatively small raise, but the the benefits we've gotten from it have just been. I, I don't know what to say. It's, it's been great. Yeah. And I mean, I do, you answered a question I was going to ask was uh, why not just take on a fucking mentor, but uh, the skin in the game piece does definitely <laughs> yeah, I think, make sense uh, and, and you prioritizes all, yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Right. If you boil down all the crap I just said, basically that's the one important thing. It's the skin in the game. Aspect. <laughs> it's like when you get, I mean, because I mean, just, that's just the way the world works. I mean, people need to have, some, I mean, the, again, you have some great people who are willing to impart, advice and help you out where they can. But at the end of the day, they've got their own shit to deal with. Mm -hmm. So unless there is something else in it for them, I mean, you are going to be a lower priority item. Uh, whereas in this case, we actually do have people who have that skin in the game and are willing to prioritize us. So, you know, getting 
uh, getting in touch with uh, AWS when I when I was working on that transition, I managed to get on the phone with a handful of AWS engineers who could walk me through how a lot of things work and how how to actually set things up. And I showed them my infrastructure plan, and they suggested things to change here and there. And then we did it. It was it was something that I I don't think I would have been able to get if I just came in the front door, right? Mm. Whereas you, this, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, have you got any other examples of where um, the investors have helped you already or where you where you see yourself going that you couldn't do by yourself? Because I'm just curious, she's talking about the investors having the experience. Can, have you had any examples of where they've helped you yet or is it just too early to comment on that stuff? Uh, actually, so uh, there are a few things, but the most recent one is, uh, so Card is sort of like getting to this point where I think we have we have some things planned that may necessitate bringing in additional developers. But I'm I've been the guy developing this solo for literally like six years at this point. Yeah, uh, that's a transition that I have no basis. Like I, I have no idea how to do that. Like I, mm-hmm. it's hard going from from guy who just develops crap on his own is used to answering to just himself to having to work with a team of developers you know, and di- distributing the work and, you know, taking taking into account the whole team dynamics thing and what have you. Uh, so I have no idea how to do that. So they've been putting me in touch with CTOs, some current, some, oh, nice. some, uh, uh, some former of various relatively big name companies who can actually, you know, I just hop on a quick Zoom call with them and they can kind of just fill me in <laughs> on what they did and how, how, how all that, how they handle things and how, Perhaps I should be able to handle things with card and making that transition. Uh, again, things I don't think I'd be able to easily get on my own. Maybe I could, but I suck at networking. So this is sort of like <laughs> yeah. a, this is like a really easy kind of easy mode way to get those conversations that would help me along. And, easy uh, mode way, nice. I like that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess that's one way to look at investing, bringing on investors in general. Is that it's kind of taking it's it's sort of a shortcut in some ways, but a beneficial one, right? So like in this case, how would I have gotten, you know, on the phone with a CTO from, you know, big company X? Like it, it'd be difficult for me to just, re, you know, cold cold DM or cold tweet on <laughs> Twitter. Say, hey, buddy, you think you can tell me how I can get my shit together on this development shit? And he would be like, who the fuck are you? Whereas this, it, it's been pre-vetted because the, the uh, investor of ours will reach out to them who already has an existing relationship with them. And, you know, they're incentivized to get this person to speak to me because they're, you know, they obviously have a stake in card and they want, they want it to succeed. And then they, you know, that pre-existing relationship between the investor and the person I'd like to speak to, there is already something there. So it's like, you know, it, it, it's, you're leaning on this network that already exists and you're kind of <laughs> not really buying your way into it. I mean, I guess if anything, they're, paying you to be i don't know whatever it's a it's (laughs) a weird dynamic but it it's been it's been weird being able to talk to people in this way and and, uh get expertise and and, and advice so much faster than if i was just like you know googling around trying to read random articles and stuff not that there's anything wrong with that but this you know with with carb growing the way it is like i don't have time to really fuck around anymore i have to kind Mm -hmm. of you know get because Bottom line is, and I, I touched on this earlier, this, the decision to bring in investors was, it was a bit hard because, the, you know, you are literally giving up a chunk of your company to other people. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a big thing in itself. Uh, there is always the risk of maybe bringing on an investor who wants to be a bit more up in your shit, which not the case for us, but, you know, that was a risk as well. Um, but then, you know, I also had the you know, no, I'm a bootstrapper. Like that was part of my identity. I don't need fucking investors. Like <laughs> I can make this shit on my own, blah, you know, all that stuff. And it, it, it weighed on me pretty heavily, but at the end of the day, it came down to what is best for the product and what is best for all the people who use it now, which is a lot. Like there are people who use card all day long and I'm not kidding. Like they're <laughs> routinely updating their sites. And, and this is like just for personal use, like not even talking about the business stuff where like people use card to build client sites and all that stuff. And, and it really was like, look, do I, do I stick to stick to my guns on the whole bootstrapping thing? Or do I kind of swallow my pride and try out this VC thing to see if that's a better way to go? And 
I'm glad I did at this point. Like, yeah, you know, we're only nice. maybe, I'd say maybe like six, seven months into this. Like we closed on that deal, like February, I think. So yeah, it, it, it's not been super long. So you know, <laughs> there's always a possibility in a year. I'm like, well, I fucked up, you know, but it, <laughs> at least at this stage, like it's been supremely beneficial. And uh, like, as far as the, you know, I mentioned we have a dozen investors. We do have one lead investor, uh, Rainfall Ventures, great guys. They uh, they basically, they helped coordinate the round, but then we have like all these other smaller investors on board uh, with, you know, their various stakes in it. And it, I don't know, it's, it's still relatively new to me, so I, I don't know what else to say about it, but uh, I can say that we've, not really had to use the money that we've been given, although it is nice seeing it in that bank account for, you know, if, if, yeah. uh, if shit goes bad or if there's like a, some large initiative that we need to like get into very Did quickly. So <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, Oh, actually we, we already have that covered. Thank God. But the, uh, yep. the, I don't know. There, there are actually, there are benefits to this. And I think maybe, my preconceived notions about VCs was colored by maybe how like how shit was done in the past. But uh, I recently spoke to uh, another investor who was was talking about sort of like, cause he, he was, he was a founder himself. I don't want to you know name who it was, but he, he himself is a founder of a pretty high profile uh, startup way back in the day. And he was talking about his experiences like raising back then. And I think, you know, this was probably like mid, 2000s thereabouts so a lot of the investors he dealt with came from more of like a i guess traditional financial background you know like uh well, just banking like in general banking like investment those types of things right and uh but now and he had so he had trouble with those with those types to some degree because i don't think they understand they understood at the time like how different a startup was from just a typical kind of business investment, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more risk. It's a lot, it's a lot more fluid and, you know, there's a lot more nuance to it uh, that was just lost back then, you know, and nothing against the investors back then. I guess it was just such a new thing. Uh, but today, a lot of the investors you see are former founders themselves. Like they've been through this shit before. They've seen, like, you know, enough time has evolved, like enough time has basically allowed to allow the, the VC industry or community or whatever you want to call it to evolve to include more founders more former founders you know people have actually been you know in the trenches doing what we do every day right so Mm -hmm. they can it's a lot more relatable you know they know you know how like how far they can push things they know when to back off it's it's a it's not like what i thought it was going to be and that's a very good thing Interesting. Can we, and I, I don't care about the specific numbers, but I'm curious how you got to how much you wanted to raise and then how much of the business you then wanted to give up for that amount. Like, how did you come to that? Oh, yeah. So that, so when we were going through, uh, you know, just talking to different investors, they themselves would actually, like, you would go over your numbers and, and things like that. Uh, and granted, we were in sort of a unique position because the investors came to us. We didn't actually, like, mm-hmm. we've not actually contacted, you know, called, emailed or anything, any VCs or whatever. They all came to us, and which is, you know, we're very thankful for. Uh, so that does kind of change the negotiation dynamic a little bit. But uh, basically, they'd look at our numbers and kind of just the way things are going. And they would say, you know, they would want to invest this at whatever valuation. And, and really like, it seems like a lot of them are kind of, I guess the thinking, like the thinking on how all that stuff work is works is kind of, I guess more formalized at this point. Uh, so it's not like there was a huge, you know, d- divergence in like what uh, valuations they were throwing out. I think they were all looking at the numbers and seeing kind of applying basically the same formula yeah. Uh, so what I mean, actually, and I, I asked it wrong, so I apologize. I, 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 what I mean more is is on your end, like how much if your company is worth a hundred grand and you take an investment, and the valuation is a hundred grand. I'm not saying card is because right. I know it's not, but 
as far as how much you wanted to give up, like if you wanted to give up 5% of your business and take this amount of money or 10% and give up this or 50%, like how did you come to the decision of how much of card itself you wanted to give up um, to, to take money into, to get an injection of money into the business? Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, so it, for us, it was like, uh, we talked to them with Ryan, we talked to some other people and like sort of figured out what was the, what was the absolute kind of maximum we should in general, like what's good to just give up? Like if, yeah. if you are literally giving up ownership and we yeah. settled on sort of like, you know, the 15 to 20% range, cause that left us with, you know, more than enough to maintain a majority and, and all that. Um, but not dilute us so much that if we decided to do like a, you know, cause we did a, like a, I guess it was kind of like a late seed round is what we had. If we decided to do like a series A at some point, there's still, uh, more than enough left for us to do that without us getting diluted. Cause you get in these situations where like, you know, every time you raise, you will dilute yourself even more because that's mm-hmm. how it works. Uh, so we wanted to kind of get a decent amount now, but not so much that we couldn't have those options going forward. Uh, so we, yeah, we settled on basically 15 to 20%. It was what we landed on. Uh, but you could very, very much just say, look, no, I want to, I want to give up 5%. I mean, that is always a, a thing you can do. But for some investors, they they had kind of like a minimum, right? They like, for for a solo investor, like, no, I will give you X amount, but I want 20%, right? Yeah. Like, which that wouldn't work for us because our whole goal was like, no, we wanted to spread this out over, uh, you know, like a dozen or so different investors. So people who were okay with a smaller piece so we could have, you know, kind of a broader base of people to work with. And there are, you know, there are pros and cons to that because I know some uh, some people, I spoke to a CEO of another company a few months ago and he basically took money from just a single investor. Uh, for, and that investor, I think, had a minimum of like 20%. So he has one investor he answers to who owns 20% of his company. Uh, I think it's 20%, something like that. Um, and there are pluses and minuses to that. You know, the plus is, well, you've got, one person, one investor who's invested a larger amount with you. So they have a bigger stake in it and they'll prioritize you more. Right. Uh, yeah. But the downside to that is like inevitably they'll be a bit more up in your shit, which I think some people are okay with that. I think some people might need that guidance. Some products might need that hands-on, especially. And the thing I actually ran into quite a bit when we were raising was it was unusual that we were profitable at that stage. <laughs> and I was like, really? Like, that's kind of strange to me because, you know, we, you know, you can relate to like we, we're, you know, we come from this bootstrapping background. You want to, you want to build something that's sustainable and can run itself. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, you know, it, it's not uncommon to get up through like a series A or series B round and still not be profitable. You know, you're still kind of burning through cash. I mean, it, and I was just like, what? What the fuck? And like, that's a criticism it? of how VCs worked in the past is all of these pre-revenue companies are getting millions upon millions of dollars. Right. And it just feels it just feels like a silly use of, of capital sometimes. Clubhouse. Right. <laughs> but and then, then he, another <laughs> another uh, uh, investor uh, who, who told me basically like because I had I actually had that. Con- I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, this sounds weird to me. And he's like, well, look, it's. You have to, if you're, you have to kind of get past that aspect of it where it's like, it's a very different game to bootstrapping in that it, it is, I wouldn't say it's gambling, but it is a high, it's a, it's a high risk investment. And all the people who participate in VC understand that all their LPs and everything else, like they know like what they're getting into. Like they know that, you know, the hundred K they give to this, this person who just has some you know, uh, literally no product yet, just a pitch. That money, you know, they have accepted that they are a, essentially setting it on fire. Yeah. It's a gamble, yeah. Yeah, so, and that, you know, to me, you know, that's really, that's been a difficult thing to swallow because like, well, that's a hundred, like that's a lot of money. <laughs> like you can't, uh, <laughs> like the idea of just taking money and pissing it away is like very hard for me to, to fathom, but at the same, no pun intended, but the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but I think the, the reality is it's like that's how it, it does having that money does enable you to take risks you otherwise wouldn't. And, you know, there are pros and cons to that. Uh, and me being relatively risk averse like that, 
I wouldn't think to to go to an investor with you know uh, you know if card wasn't even a thing yet to go to an investor and ask for money to build this thing like that's not how I'm wired. However, I understand why that's a thing because there are people willing to take chances on just ideas that have not kind of come to fruition, and there are people who are willing to build things and want to you know try these kind of risky ideas, but they just don't have the capital to do it. And so you, you're sort of VC is sort of like the marriage of those two things. Uh, yeah, go ahead. And I'm just thinking as you're saying that, because I can't, so I'm thinking about how this ties into our company too, because whenever I hear someone with a different idea, I try and connect it to my kind of my knowledge tree or my belief tree. I don't relate on the idea of the expertise because I think, you know, I spoke to an ex-Facebook engineer the other month and I, I'm good at the connections within the, the tech stuff. But something you just said did resonate with me. So you've now got capital that you wouldn't have had otherwise that could allow you to pursue other avenues. Right. And so I think about us, if we did have the capital, I suppose we would spend out on extra engineers. We would build things faster. Right. But then you're also balancing that with what you were talking about earlier about the limited features. And right. we also have that belief. <laughs> so that's- Well, yeah, so we're, I mean, I think it's it's clear from, you know, even just talking now, but especially from the conversations I had with VCs is that card was a very unusual investment for most of them to- to make because it was again it wasn't uh it wasn't just an idea that didn't exist you know it what a product actually existed it ran for you know a number of years it's profitable it's growing yeah. it's all these things it's like it it wasn't necessary to get vc for the for the usual reasons which is capital that's the yeah, biggest yeah. reason why most people will get vc for us getting the connections and things, that was our main priority. Again, I think some people think that was stupid. Like, why would you give up part of your company for that? But as I said, like, look, I'm, I didn't get into this with the, the expectation that it'd become this thing. I don't really have like that, that startup CEO vibe. Like, I just don't, <laughs> I just don't get like, I don't give a shit. Like, uh, this is a thing that uh, I'm like, you know, people are using something like, all right. And, and I tweeted like a, a couple of days ago, like, I feel like I'm just not a guy in charge of this thing. I feel like I'm just being ordered around by my users. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, kind of that. and, and it's just like, that's exactly how I feel. And like, I'm not, you will never see me, you know, giving like a Ted talk or anything like that about, you know, my <laughs> CEO experience, like nothing wrong with that. It's just that that's not how I'm wired. Like, that's not the thing. So the, and, you know, like I said, my networking skills blow. Like I'm terrible at, 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 at you know, reaching out and, and like chasing down connections and trying to figure out, you know, uh, absorbing expertise that way, like, you know, going out to get it because I'm trying to run this thing too. So it, the, it, it worked for us. Like at least it's working so far. Yeah. Uh, but it is, I, I mean, I admit it is a very strange thing, especially if you, you try to contextualize it alongside all your usual like use cases for VC. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, giving up a chunk of your company to get access to like a, a network of, of expertise sounds a bit weird in a way, but well, it's been no, beneficial. It, it's good for the company. I mean, just hearing you talk about it, because I didn't obviously know this before the call, the decision sounds smart. You were self-aware on the areas that you felt you had a weakness in, and you've ba- you're basically getting that area completely filled with with top tier players that are going to bring so much to the company. Right. So it sounds like a great move, in my opinion. So I mean, it, it, it could still all go horribly wrong, but at this point, like it, it at least, especially like it's. I mean, I'm trying to just do what's right for the product and for the users at this point. Like yeah, I've, sure. I feel like I've gotten what I need out of card. Like I don't have a, an ego thing tied with it. I don't have this intent of being a, you know, like a big startup CEO or, or any of that type of stuff or, or whatever. I just want to continue building this thing, keep making it better and make sure it, it keeps delivering on what people, what brought people to it to begin with. And at the time, and even now, like going the VC route was, in my view, the best call and the best way to continue doing that. Uh, yeah, it, it's, been a, it's been a weird year. I mean, literally, like, this time last year, I think we were just coming off the Kim Kardashian thing. So it was like, shit was just getting chaotic. And things have settled down so dramatically since then in that we've, you know, migrated to new infrastructure thanks to some of the connections that we have now. Uh some of the, the plans that we have to build out like a dev team and things like that. Now I have mm-hmm. access to people who can you know, impart that knowledge on me, someone who has literally no idea how to do that. It's kind of taken some of the, uh, 
it's taken a, actually it's taken a lot of the stress away. Like I feel a lot more relaxed. I've been able to work on more interesting features for the product because I don't have to worry about as much anymore. Yeah. And as you mentioned, like we have we have this capital now that's just sitting there, quite quite literally sitting there because car still you know profitable, paying for itself and everything. So that capital that we got from that raise, we didn't spend it on. I think it's just sitting there, you know, ready for whatever we might need it for. And so in having that there for a as a, as a bootstrapper, I don't look at it as like, all right, let's how big of a party can we throw with this money? That's not how I'm looking at it. Like it is very much like a, well, we have this very large sort of nest egg now. Like we can be, and we can use it if we come across something, like let's say there's a, a, some, some idea comes along, some initiative where it's, we decide it's like, this is going to be a huge thing. We need to develop it faster though. to you know, get to market or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We now have the ability to do that. We have the capital to kind of put into that, and take, you know, and, and as our investors are just like pretty much all universally told us, like, look, it's, this is meant for taking risks, like bigger things like that. They want to see CARB get to the next level. And that, that capital sitting there is one of those things we could potentially use to do that if we so choose. Like there's, but there's been no like pressure from anyone. Like our, I'll send out like an update every month to our investors just to kind of let them know how things going. And they're all like, that's awesome. Like, is there anything I can help you with? You know, that type of thing. And, you know, if not, then it's like, cool. They just kind of back off. And I think that might, maybe that's unique to our situation because we have a lot of smaller investors, but I get the sense, especially from even the investors we, you know, we chose not to go with, that they're all sort of that way now. Just very, you know, we gave you, you know, we invested in you because we believe in your product, your idea, whatever it is. We trust you to do what's best with it. Um, I guess until you fuck up and then maybe they'll get involved. But at least for now, they're, they're very, I don't know. It's been, it's been, it's been such a, a an enlightening experience, especially considering I had, I actually had very kind of strong views against VC before all this. And it was really just that moment last year where shit just got crazy. For sure. That forced me into reevaluating my beliefs, which I guess happens, you know, just, you know, as a human, that happens all the time. Yeah, and you sound quite introspective, very insightful. I mean, you're, I wish everyone thought at this level about capital. And this conversation has brought a fantastic balance to the conversations that we have when we talk about capital. I think that that's really, really important. Um, and AJ, uh, since you're on the call, if I may, because we have a lot of people who are technical <clears throat> co-founders, can I ask you what are the biggest scaling challenges you've had away from capital completely what are the biggest scaling challenges you've had with card because as you say there's millions of websites what are the main challenges you've had uh let's see i think initially it was content moderation was a big one because right. you have to kind of monitor what comes in especially for a free product you're just going to have a lot of stuff coming through the pipe like you uh yeah you need to keep an eye on it so I handed that off to Donnie. He basically has been running that for the last couple of years. Uh, but then recently through connections we have and other things, we found a company that we contracted that out to in part, uh, which in it, it's weird to say, but they're almost like, you know, the, the EC2 of content moderation. Like it will just scale as needed. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's been a game changer, like having that worked out and you know donnie worked out that entire deal and got it set up and it's been running fantastically you know with even better accuracy than when we were doing it uh that used to be the biggest scaling challenge for us and then once we solved that we're like well what next like no i guess uh, stuff? uh yeah so what was it like april i think when we migrated to aws so that was actually another pain point that we needed to to deal with like uh the, the infrastructure i built before which was kind of just bolted together with random crap that I kind of was familiar with at the time. Uh, surprisingly ran well for as long as it did, but it wasn't, it, it was built with maybe like two to three years of life in it. Like I figured, I, I put that into effect like beginning of 2020, I think. And I thought this will last us through like 2023, 2024 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I did the math maybe earlier this year. I was like, wow, we've got maybe 90 days left on this until we're fucked. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, shh. Shit. So I had to, you know, and that I was, you know, and we were just kind of wrapping up the the race. So I remember asking investors like, uh, biggest thing right now is infrastructure. Like we have to yeah. keep this shit running. And uh, we're thinking AWS, but you know, we have no idea. So they put us in touch with uh, someone relatively high up at AWS who you know spoke to him, and he put us in touch with. Some, he, we set up a call with a few of their engineers, 
uh, explain how some of the stuff worked because I had no idea how any of AWS on that level worked sure. at the time. Uh, so they got me up to speed real quick. I put together my, I mentioned earlier, I put together an infrastructure plan, sent it their way. We discussed it. They said, well, maybe you should do this instead because this will work better for your use get all this stuff. Uh, we did it, uh, got us migrated. And then that, that basically is solved at this point. Now I'm I sure see. there'll be, there'll be things down the road as we, you know, I, I think every time that you kind of hit a new threshold and scaling, like your, your solutions have to change. I, and Agreed. I, and I, and I believe like, we'll have to reevaluate infrastructure stuff again, probably in a year or two years, whenever, but, uh, at least now we're in a place where that can scale so much easier. And it's a much more standardized kind of infrastructure that if we needed to bring in, you know, contracts and expertise or something like that, uh, they will know what they're looking at as opposed to the hokey bullshit I put together myself <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Uh, they'll be able to look and say, oh, I, we can scale this. This is just fine as opposed For to what sure. I put before. So as far as now, though, uh, it's the development side, which I think is the best scaling problem to have because it means that like all this other shit has been taken care of and now it's just product related things that like as in we have so many ideas and things that we want to put into into card to make it better mm-hmm. we're we're going to need more people on it to, to do that and so you know it goes back to what i was mentioning before now i've got conversations lined up with some CT- former ctos current ctos who can explain how to make that transition from a solo developer to someone who actually runs a team of developers, which yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah and it, I, I have like for someone like me, who's who, again, I mentioned before, like you're used to kind of just doing it yourself, answering only to yourself. Like it's mm-hmm. going to take quite a bit of transition for me to, to, to get comfortable with that. But sure. again, it, everything that overrides those types of feelings is what's best for the product, what's best for the users. And that's been kind of the big thing that's pushed me forward in the last year. Yeah, fair play. Oh man, that's uh, really interesting. I'm glad we I'm glad we had this talk. I mean, the next step is for Jack and I to go after investors as soon as this call is done. (laughs) (laughs) But it is down the doors. Yeah, I mean, it is really interesting. Like, I I think I wanted to have this call because you're, I think, one of the only people that I know who started off as just hardcore in the bootstrapper camp and the, and then has transitioned into venture back. So it's just been really interesting to have this conversation with you and kind of learn the, the impetus and the reasoning mm-hmm. uh, behind it. Cause I think it's really, I think it's really good. And I, I don't think anybody could fault you for the logic. Not, not at all. <laughs> exactly. well, and, and, and I think, and I think it's a, the biggest takeaway I hope people get from this is that it, it's not for everybody. Like it is mm-hmm. very specific to your situation. Yeah. Uh, there are bootstrappers who make way more money than Card does just running it themselves. And I think we we know one in particular who's just extremely successful and he's great. And his product is, he's in a space that's different. I'm talking about Peter Levels. Yeah, amazing for guy. sure, yeah. And d- the dude is fantastic. His products are great. And he is in such a place that he doesn't really need to bring in, you know, do the things that we do. But like, we're, we're in a slightly different space. We have a different product. It's, you know, it's, it involves a lot of user content, which itself kind of creates a bunch of different problems mm-hmm. that have to be solved differently. So I, I don't want people to think that the answer is always going to be VC or the answer is always going to be bootstrap. I think it needs to be, you need to be open to whatever solution is best for your product and especially for your users. Like that should take precedence over everything else. And so if you decide bootstrapping is what's best for your users, go for it. If you think VC is what's best for your users? Go for that as well, or at least consider it. Yeah. Uh, but don't don't look at card and the way we do things. Say, oh, we're going to do it exactly that way because there's so much more behind the scenes I didn't even get into that led us to this decision. Uh, so again, just I'm glad I'm happy to have shared my experience, but you know, again, don't just take it as like a template to use for your particular situation. So you're saying there's nuance. Yeah, there's, <laughs> Which, shockingly, there's nuance. Oh, Maybe geez. a little bit. <laughs> well, AJ, I'm so happy that you agreed to chat with us uh, today. So thank you so much for hopping on a call and uh, getting into all of this with Jack and I. Sure. And I you know, appreciate having the opportunity to actually explain this in a bit more detail. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe I should attempt to boil it down a bit better than this because i feel like i was all over the place but maybe that's uh, that was great. great that was great yeah. 
Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it.